We're going to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. We'll probably read verse 27 from the previous chapter. Remember that Saul and his servant had gone to meet the prophet, the seer. And then he had this conversation after they were going the next morning as they were leaving the city. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on. But stand thou still a while that I may show thee the word of God. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? When thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulchre in the border of Benjamin at Zelza. And they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found, and lo, thy father hath left the care of the asses, and sorroweth for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Then shalt thou go on forward from thence, and thou shalt come to the plain of Tabor, and there shall meet thee three men going up to God, to Bethel, one carrying three kids, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. And they shall salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. After that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines. And it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery, and a tabret, and a pipe, and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and, and shalt be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry, till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. And when they were came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. It came to pass, when all that knew him aforetime saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the same place answered and said, But who is thy father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had made an end of prophesying, he came to the high place. I'm going to just have a look at the story we've read in First Samuel 
chapter 10. They'd had a meal the previous evening. Samuel had brought Saul and his servant and put them in a place of honor. And gave them the choice portion of meat. You remember the story. He'd instructed it to be left to one side. And the next morning when they were leaving the city, he told the Saul to let the servant pass on. And he went on and then he stopped Samuel and he took a vial of oil and poured it on Saul's head and he kissed him it was a kiss of allegiance congratulating him on what he was about to, to do he was going to be king it was in respect and it was a token of his subjection. It was very gracious of Samuel because Samuel, as we know, was not in favor of Israel having a king because he felt that they had rejected him and God said, no, they haven't rejected you, they've rejected me. But here he was giving the new king his allegiance. And he said to him, is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Saul was probably very confused about all that had happened to him in the last 24 hours. He'd lost the, the donkeys, he hadn't found them. He'd gone to see the, the prophet. The prophet had placed him in a, a position of honor and given him the, 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 the great honor and treatment at the meal. And he said... Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain? Or we would say, do you not see by this? I have anointed you, and do you not see by this that God has anointed you to be captain over his inheritance? For it was the Lord that anointed him. Even though Samuel had done it, he was only obeying the instructions of God to anoint this man as king. Captain prince and overseer of God's inheritance there was a great responsibility that he was placing on the shoulders of this this young man to be an overseer of God's inheritance and you know each one of us is part of the local church or the local fellowship or the local assembly whatever you like to call it we each have a responsibility to each other to serve and encourage the saints to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ to seek to help build up the people of God his inheritance it's our responsibility and it was going to be the responsibility of Saul to do the same thing what was going through this young man's mind he'd only set out to find a lot of donkeys and he ended up as being the leader, the overseer, the prince of God's inheritance. And then he said, you know, there are three things that are going to happen to you. When you leave here, there are three signs. And by these signs, you know that what I said is true. In verse 2, he says, when you depart out of here, two men will meet you by Rachel's tomb. And in the border of Benjamin at a place called Zelza. We don't know much about this place. 
and they will say, The asses which thou wentest out to seek are found, and lo, thy father hath left care of the asses, and now is worried about you. Rachel's sepulchre, it speaks of death, and zela, the actual meaning of the word zela means shadow. We sang that hymn, didn't we? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. The Philistines were in possession of the land. They were subject to the Philistines. God was teaching Saul a lesson as he went back to his father. Sadly, Saul had all the advantages before him, but he failed miserably during his brief reign. It wasn't a very good reign. If I want to be captain of the army of God, if I want to be one who encourages and to brings comfort to those around us, I must reject my allegiance to all others and declare my allegiance to God, to die to myself. The sepulchre spoke of death. Saul should have died completely to himself and put his faith totally and completely in God. And we must die to self as we start out in order to serve God to the full. No other God die to self and go forward in newness of life and trust in him alone and the power of his Holy Spirit indwelling us. And Saul had to, to learn that his father was not interested in the asses anymore. He wasn't interested in the donkeys, in earthly possessions. He had something more to worry about. He was worried about Saul. Thy father sorroweth for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? You know, there's an interesting verse in Judges 10 and verse 15 and 16. And the children of Israel said unto the Lord, We have sinned. Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Deliver us, we pray thee, this day. And they put away the strange gods from among them and served the Lord. And it says, His soul. The Lord's soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. Isn't that interesting? God was grieved for the misery of Israel. Saul's father had given up worrying about anything else except his son. And God grieves when we stray away from him. He wants us back. He wants us back. The father kept looking down the road in the prodigal son, waiting for his son to return. He wants us back. And this fits in with Father's Day, doesn't it? Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He has a great concern for you and me. 
printed out Matthew 6:25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which you, you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you, that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. He knows. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Yes, Saul had to realize that the asses weren't the most important thing. The asses had been found, but he had to show his allegiance to the God who had instructed him to be head, captain of his inheritance. The asses will look after themselves. Remember that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. Your heavenly father knows you. We said that a few minutes ago. He cares for you. But we must yield to him. And trust him. He knows. He loves. He cares. Nothing his truth can dim. He gives the very best to those. Who leave the choice to him. We must yield to him. If any man come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If only Saul had done that, his reign would have been completely different. And you know, Saul left him and it happened. He met these two men who told him, that the asses were found. And then sign number two. When you go from here, he says, you'll come to the plain of Tabor and you shall meet three men. Two men to start with. Now we had three men. And they're going up to God to Bethel. One carrying three kids, one other carrying three loaves, another carrying a bottle of wine. And they shall salute thee and give thee two loaves of bread and thou shalt receive of their hands. They were going up to God, to Bethel. There was obviously a high place, as there had been a high place at Ramah, where, where Samuel was able to have a sacrifice. Obviously at Bethel was another place where people sacrificed in those days, because as we said, 
the, the tabernacle was in one place, the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant was in another place, and God was not in, in the tabernacle. The, 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 uh, the Ark of the Covenant was in a backwater, and nobody worried too much about it. And so, the people chose various places where they could offer sacrifices, as Abraham did, and as Jacob did. So they went out, they were going up to Bethel. Now Bethel was a very interesting place in the Bible. We won't have time to go into it all. But Bethel speaks of faithfulness. And way back in Genesis 28, we have the story of Jacob. And he, he, he was fleeing away from his brother. And he lay down and he put a stone for his, the pillow. And he lay down to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending up and down the ladder. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. What a wonderful dream. What a wonderful vision. Jacob had. At this place called Bethel. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west. And to the east. And to the north. And to the south. And in thee and in thy seed. Shall all the families of the earth. Be blessed. And behold. I am with thee. And will keep thee in all places. Whither thou goest. And I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. What a wonderful promise. Bethel speaks to us of God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. And these men were going up to Bethel to worship. And it ends in verse 19. It says, and he called the name of that place Bethel. And these men were going up to the same place that spoke of God's faithfulness. You know, there was so much wrong in Israel at that time. So much. Many had no desire to meet with God. They had left the, the Ark of the Covenant away on its own. The tabernacle was empty of the presence of God. Ichabod. The glory had departed. But how lovely these men wanted to meet with God. These three men decided they would go and meet with God. How lovely it is for us to be found in the house of God this morning. Some may not consider this building the house of God. But thankfully where, where two or three are gathered in God's name, in the name of Jesus, he's promised to be here. He's here amongst us. We don't have to invite him here. He's here. He has promised. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. This idea of inviting God and asking the Holy Spirit to appear. Doesn't, it's a promise. It's a promise. It's a promise. There am I in the midst. There am I in the midst. These men were going to worship a faithful God. They had faith and trust. In the middle of all the enemies, they were prepared to go up to Bethel 
and worship God. But it's interesting, they weren't just going up to worship God, they were going up to God, it says. Going up to God. They knew in whom they believed. Are we conscious as we meet together that we're meeting in the presence of God? We're going up to God. Three kids, three loaves, and wine. These men, they came prepared to worship. Do we come prepared to worship? As we come to the house of God, do we prepare ourselves to come and worship? The three kids were for a sacrifice, speaking of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were going to be sacrificed. The three loaves speak of, of the meal offering. The meat offering, meal offering. And in Leviticus 2, 4 it says, And if thou present an offering of an oblation bacon in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil, or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. Speaking of the, the incarnation of Jesus, the Word made flesh, and dwelling amongst us, his incarnation. The wine speaking of his blood poured out for you and for me. Also speaking of the Holy Spirit who is given to those who accept Christ as their Saviour. Altogether speaking of the completeness and the fullness we have. And the, the, the abundance of everything that these men had. And they shared it with him. They shared it with him. Wonderful. And as they salute thee and give thee two loaves of bread which thou shalt receive of their hands. These three men also speak of fellowship. The fellowship we have with other Christians. And when we enjoy meeting together, speaking and talking and hearing about our Saviour and worship him in spirit and in truth. You know that, that verse in Colossians 2.19 All the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. Nourishment. That's how we get our spiritual food. Through his word and through fellowship and through, through listening to the voice of Jesus speaking to us. Do we encourage each other as we meet Sunday by Sunday. Are we encouragers? Or do we only come here just to meet people as a kind of social gathering? I don't think so. And so refreshed by these godly men, he goes on back towards Gilgal where Samuel said he was to meet him. In verses 5 to 7 we have what happens to him on his way. After that there shall come to the hill of God where is the garrison of the Philistines. And when you come there you're going to meet a company of prophets. Probably young prophets from the school of prophets that were scattered around the place. And they're coming down from the high place with, and they have a psaltery, they have a tabret, a pipe, a harp. And they're going in front of them playing music and singing they shall prophesy this group of people 
And where was it? Where was this happening? Thou shalt come to the hill of God. And what was at the hill of God? A garrison of the Philistines. The enemy was right in the middle of the hill of God. It's not terrible. The situation was serious in Israel. And it, it, it would appear, reading through, that they, they were there because of a kind of mutual agreement. The enemy was right in the hill of God. Nobody seemed to think anything strange about this. Nobody seemed to, to, to stand up and, and willing to correct this disaster. Enemies right in the hill of God. The Philistines. It's so like the condition in so many places today. We spoke a few weeks ago about the Dalai Lama speaking in Liverpool Cathedral. It's the same thing. Philistines in the house of God. The hill of God occupied by the enemy. Thank God these men were prepared to come back through the enemy ranks singing. But they were in the minority. They were in the minority. I, I got a... I think of time to read it. got an email from Richard Bennett yesterday. And he was he prefaced it with a little letter and it was the letter actually which I thought I'd just try and read very quickly through he says the greatest warning, warning of the Lord Jesus was that which he gave against apostasy likewise the infallible spirit of God testifies to the danger of apostasy through the apostles Paul, Peter and John and he gives references to that the final warning in Revelation chapter 17 is the word of God for the present day to sidestep the apostate church, which is the greatest evil, and focus on such problems as secular humanism, atheism, and spiritual nihilism, denies the one who gave the warning and the very Holy Spirit who highlights it in his word. We have to take seriously what God says in his word about the apostate churches. There is a perilous fondness for the papacy in this age in which we live. Equally profound is a disproportionate interest in all things papal. Biblical assessment of the papacy is missing from contemporary Christian thinking. Today it is religiously correct to show interest in the papacy. For the most part any criticism of it is seen as politically incorrect. Historical and biblical analysis of the Vatican situation is regarded as unloving. Historical and biblical analysis is regarded as unloving. If you criticize, you're said, they'd say you're unloving. Religious tolerance has erected prejudicial barriers to interpreting prophetic issues directly related to the papacy, such as in Revelation chapter 17, which this document addresses, this is his email address, the, the article addressed that. It is extremely important to analyze the present situation with the papacy because Rome is not neutral and is quite intent to draw all to herself in a false ecumenism. Just as this article has been sent out, the Roman Catholic and Agostino 
or Remio, has presented, this is interesting, he has presented the minutes of the International Symposium, the Inquisition. They've done a review of the Inquisition. These minutes rewrite the history of the Inquisition, and he says it's with an adeptness of a handyman doing a whitewash job. The Pope has sent a message of accord with these minutes. This rewriting of history needs to be purged by the historical facts in the article which he has put up on the, on the website. And that's the trouble. They've rewritten the Inquisition, whitewashing it. And nobody will say a word. Nobody will say a word. And that's the problem. Many do not recognize the situation in churches today as dangerous. As dangerous. I know of one man who was a missionary in Chile. And he came back. And he's been made a bishop in Ireland. And now he does joint services with his counterpart in the Roman Catholic Church. What was he telling the people in Chile? I ask myself. But that's the way it is. In the case before us, it appears that the enemy were on the hill of God and nobody did anything about it. Nobody worried. But what was happening? He met these people who were prepared to go to the hill of God to worship God. And they were coming back, singing. They'd had a wonderful experience. And they were praising God in the midst of the enemy. Godly music in the midst of Satan's stronghold. They were worshipping God in spirit and in truth. And they were telling forth the word of God. They were prophesying forth the word of God. They were bringing a bit of heavenly joy into that dreadful situation where the enemy was. Just as we leave here, I hope we will bring a bit of heavenly joy out into the world when we leave here. Or will we? <laughs> what a jolly happy group they must have been coming down the hill. All singing. The music going in front of them. Well, they had a thing like a guitar and they had pipes and a harp. And all singing, coming through the enemy. What did the Philistines think? <laughs> I'm sure they didn't do have that kind of singing when they were coming back from, the, from Dagon's temple. Especially when he fell over and broke himself on the, on the threshold. But what was going through their minds? And it said, but look, it says in verse 10. And when you are come thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him. He met him. It all happened. It all worked out. And the Spirit of God came upon him, came upon Saul. And he prophesied among them. In fact, it says that he was going to be changed. He was going to be another person. 
And that's what happens. When we come face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ and we, we start to worship and accept him as I say, we become a different person. Well, I hope we do. Not only inside, but we should be a different person on the outside. Somebody said, you know, I've got the joy of the Lord. And he said, somebody better tell your face. <laughs> we should express it on our faces. The joy of the Lord. It is only when we are touched by the Holy Spirit that we can sing in the midst of the enemies. That's the only way. Otherwise there's nothing to be joyful about. But if we have the Holy Spirit and the joy of the Lord. Jesus said I came to give you joy in all its fullness. That's what he came to give us. You see, in verse 7, Samuel had said to Saul, God is with thee. God is, that's the secret. We have God with us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. Very quickly, he says, You have to meet me in Gilgal. Go on down and wait there till I come to Gilgal. Gilgal played a very important part of Saul's life, as we'll see in future weeks. But where, what about Gilgal? Where, Gilgal was the first place the Israelis camped when they came over Jordan into the land. It was the first place. You can read about it. It was the place of the first encampment when they entered the land. It, the tabernacle was, that's for the first place where they erected the tabernacle. Where God had said he was going to dwell amongst his people. It was there that the Israelites discarded the world in figuratively. They had a mass circumcision. They got rid of all that which was past to do with the world. Circumcision of the flesh. Their flesh was mortified. Do we need to get back to Gilgal this morning? In Colossians 2.11 it says, In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. Circumcision of the heart. Get rid of all that is worldly. Out of our hearts. And out of our lives. The interesting thing that happened so. We could spend much longer on it. Maybe we'll go back and do a bit more of it. There next week. But I want to just read. Colossians chapter 3. In closing. And it speaks exactly. As to what. happen to what should happen to us if we follow those instructions in Colossians 2.11 in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ if then be Christ risen if ye then be risen with Christ Seek those things which are above, 
where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Treat them as dead. Treat them as dead. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In the which ye also walked sometime, when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Mortify, mortify. Put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Image of Christ. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, like those fellows coming down the hill. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. It's going to say more, but having read a chapter like that, we don't need to say any more. God bless us.